Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Vibrant Church, let me hear from you Sunday morning. Come on, you glad to be in church? I love it. I'm so glad that you are in the house of the Lord today. My name is Michael. My wife Carmen and I, we have the tremendous honor and privilege of serving this church as lead pastors, and we're so thankful that you chose to be at church today. Can you help me by welcoming all of our first-time guests? Let's give them all a big, vibrant welcome. Come on. Let's do it. Love that, love that. As always, I want to take just a moment, look directly into the camera, and I want to welcome our online family in. Wherever you're watching, whoever you're watching with, thank you so much for making Vibrant part of your Sunday. We love you. We're praying for you. Glad that you're in the house. Can we welcome our online family in? Let's do it. We get emails every week from people that are watching our stream and all that the Lord is doing. This week, we had an email from Florida that... Uh, and and uh, I, I want to say that right, Sarasota, Florida. Good, glad that you guys are with us. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, so I want to, we're going to continue this series today on Clean Slate. <clears throat> and I want to tell you, just to be honest with you, I'm just going to tell you right up front so there's no false advertising here, okay? I don't want you to expect anything else. This is the heaviest message of all that I will preach in this series, okay? It's going to be heavy. All right, so before I get heavy, y'all got to know it's going to get heavy, okay? All right, that good? So we're going to start this out real heavy. You ready? How many of you ever done, have ever done anything that you're deeply ashamed of? All right? I want to start out today, I want you to lean over the person next to you and tell them what that thing is. I'm kidding, don't do that. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Some of y'all just about had an, like asthma attack right there. It was like, okay, don't like this church. I'm not, no, yeah. <laughs> Let me set it up this way. Have you ever been on a road trip with multiple people and you were all splitting up the driving, but you knew there was one person in the car you did not want to drive that car? You know what I'm saying? You knew there was one person that you did. I saw a finger point in the back of the room back there. Uh, that's uncalled for, ma'am. Uh, so... <laughs> um, that, have you ever been on that road trip where there was one person in the car that you knew you did not want to drive, right? I've been there um, many, many moons ago, pre-kids, when we used to do crazy things like this. We decided it'd be a great idea to take a road trip to Chicago from South Mississippi, and we left at 9 p.m. in the middle of the winter. And, uh, and so we had five people packed in a Toyota Yaris with all of our stuff. Um, if you don't want to know, if you don't know what a Toyota Yaris is, it's essentially a little matchbox car um, with a little engine, and that's it. And, and so we put five people inside of that. And uh, but there was one person in the in, individually that we knew. And if you're watching this and you were on that trip, you know who you are right now. That we did not want you to drive that car. And uh, well, as you know, in the winter, going from Mississippi. To Chicago, the climates are much different, right? So we went from, it was nice, it was a nice balmy 70 degrees, right, when we left. And then, you know, we drive up and we kind of, we go from 
in the rain and then we get to some sleet and we get to some snow and we're driving through the night and ever some people are trying to sleep some people are just like jamming the dj people but sure enough as soon as we get to the snow this person wants to drive and i was asleep at the time but somebody said yeah that's fine that was my car by the way and sure enough, they get in the driver's seat, and as soon as we get into the snow, we're like fishtailing all over the place. Let me just tell you, Pastor Michael was wide awake at that moment because he was the, he was the, that person made everybody anxious with the way he drove. He drove that thing like, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, that driver made everybody anxious. That driver made everybody anxious. Your life is that car, and there are many drivers. But the most unhealthy driver in your life spiritually is shame. It's shame. It's a driver that will lead you to make decisions that are dangerous, full of regret, create stress in your life, not just now, but later. Shame is a heavy subject, but for you to live with a clean slate like what we're talking about in this series, we need to experience some healing when it comes to the area of shame. Now, everybody is known for something, right? Everybody is known for something. When I will play word association, Tom Brady. All right. There you go. Somebody said go. That's, it's, you always find out what you're known for at the end of a season. So, or, for instance, for Tom Brady, he said goat. Well, at the end of his career, we'll know him as the greatest of all time, right? He's incredible. Well, for me, I've worked at many, many churches all throughout the nation, incredible churches. Uh, but one, when I exited those seasons, I would always ask tough questions. And one of those tough questions that I would always ask is, what do you see in me? Well, some of those things would be very good. But the thing that was negative consistently about me across every exit interview was, you're an overachiever in everything that you do, but you work way too hard. You work too hard. You are too driven in what you do. You won't last if you keep that up. And every exit interview I've ever done, graduated college, every one of them. Now, part of me says, well, Michael, why are you like this? Like, why am I like this? Why am I driven? Now, in my purest, in the purest part of me, I'm working for the kingdom. There are millions of people that are lost and I honestly want every person to experience the grace of Jesus and his spirit and have a vibrant life in Jesus. I, it consumes me, it really does. And if, you, like, if you, you're close to me, you understand that Sunday mornings are like this morning, I got up at 4 a.m. I've been wired about this moment since 4 a.m. All right, it consumes me. But also, I'm human, I'm human. Why do I work so hard? Can I be honest? Honestly, there's some, probably some dysfunction in me that's fueled by some inadequacy. Maybe. Maybe there, you know, I've, I've faced constant guilt in my life. You could be a better son. Could have been a better son before my dad passed away. You could be a better father. You could be a better husband. Sometimes soul-crushing shame. You know what you did 20 years ago. You wouldn't recognize the man you're looking at. You know what you did 20 years ago? You were an awful person. Why are you even trying? Your past disqualifies you from what you're doing today. You're a fake. That's what shame says. 
I told you it was going to be heavy. This week, there was a major ruling in our nation's Supreme Court. And I, I, I struggle to reconcile this this week. Because the heart inside of me, I pastor people from all backgrounds. I pastor Democrats. I pastor Republicans. I pastor none of those. <laughs> but I have to be very honest with you. Is that I've always said that, that politics will not infiltrate this pulpit. It never will. But this issue to me is not, it's not political, it's biblical. I can't help I unashamedly celebrate that there will be lives saved, babies' lives saved. I can't help but celebrate that. But, church, you better know that it's our responsibility to step up. You better know. Unashamedly, it should be the church that steps forward first to love and serve those families that will be in need because of this. Healthcare was never a government responsibility. It started out as a church responsibility. Look it up. That's why right now, before this ruling ever came down, that's why we already do things like supporting the H-Town Dream Center, supporting single moms that have come from drug backgrounds, helping them get off their addiction, get recovered and find jobs where they can live a fulfilling life for them and their kids. We help, so you help support that already. We support organizations like Hope's Path, which helps young men that came through the foster system and have aged out and have been forgotten by the system. Your finances, when you tithe to the church, go to that. We've stepped forward. Today, you as a church, I as a church, together, we serve the homeless. We serve mothers. We serve children. And, we, and even more. And why am I so passionate about this? Why do we do this intentionally? Why have we done this since we launched? Because I was one of those babies that should have been aborted. Most of you don't know this. But I'm going to let you end on a little bit of my testimony, if that's okay, to set today up. My dad and my mother, when they become pregnant with me, my mom drank heavily and used drugs heavily. During an ultrasound in the middle of her pregnancy, they saw something that was a little different and they wanted to check on it. Ultimately, they found out about my mother's abuse and they told her, your son is gonna have FAS, fetal alcohol syndrome. He may never be able to speak. We're seeing some deficiencies in the way He's operating in the womb. He may never be able to speak, may never be able to walk. He, he might, when he comes out, be a vegetable and you'll have to feed him the rest of your life. It's real. I was one of those babies that could have been aborted, should have been aborted. It would have been easily for my mom to say, you know what, we messed this one up, we'll try again. But only by a miracle of God my family that were not believers at the time, I came out with all the functions of a normal baby. Now, I just gotta be honest with you. I know that we, I pastor Democrats, Republicans, none of those, and it's not my goal to alienate anybody in this church. Never, anybody. But the studies say that one in five women in our country have had an abortion. And let me just say, if that is you today, you may struggle with it. Shame may be ruling your minds and you don't even know it. Today, I want you to know you are not in a place of judgment. You're in a place of love 
and support. You're in a place of love and support that will help you walk through this with grace and truth. With grace and truth. That's why I'm so passionate about supporting single moms. There will never be a single mom under my watch as pastor of this church that has need of something that we don't supply that need. We can, yeah, ever. That being said, if we, if you, maybe that's not you and, and you find yourself haunted and tormented and plagued by identity warping emotion of shame. You've put shame in the driver's seat. My prayer today is that I can help you find some healing and freedom from that in my, in my message today. Let me set it up like this. Genesis describes the beginning of creation. I love that Pastor Megan uh, talked about Genesis today. We did not talk about this previously. God creating everything. It was amazing. But at the end of chapter two, there is a verse tucked away that we could likely just pass over at the end of chapter two. Chapter two, verse 25, Adam and his wife were both naked, but naked, all right? And they felt no shame. Another version says they felt shame, no shame, and it was awesome. It's the me version. Everything was awesome. Not because they were naked. Well, kind of because they were naked. Separate. But they felt no shame the way God made them. The serpent came in, tempted them, led them to sin. Immediately after sin, what we talked about last week, the pride circle. Immediately sin led them to shame. Immediately they felt shame. They had to go hide because they felt the shame. We got to hide from God. Well, then God calls them out. I kind of see you. You can come out. They come out and they got to I got to cover up. They covered up because they felt the shame. Church, I want to tell you today, guilt is different than shame. Guilt is different than shame. Guilt is action-based, but shame is identity-based. Guilt is action-based, but shame is identity-based. Guilt believes I did something bad. I asked you at the beginning of this message, are you, have you ever done anything that you're not proud of? That's all of us pretty much have done that before. But shame believes I am bad. It's an identity issue. We feel guilty for what we did, but then we feel ashamed for who we are. We feel ashamed about it. Uh, Brene Brown said this and it was incredible. Shame is the intensely painful feeling of experience, of experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something that we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. Some of you in this house, I don't know what you might be facing today. That, that's something that causes you to feel shame. That secret that you've been hiding, that sexual past that you have, the sexual problems that you have right now, the addiction that you have, the financial debt that you don't want anybody to know about, the thing that you did years ago that you hope nobody finds out about, but because of what you did, your spiritual enemy wants to connect what you did to who you are. And he wants to tell you, I am defective. I am damaged. I am broken. I am flawed. I am dirty. I'm ugly. I'm impure. I'm disgusting. That's what your enemy wants to tell you. The devil will be whispering in your ears for years because of your action. 
without you knowing, you put shame in the driver's seat and it determines the identity of your life. And ultimately, you start driving with shame-based thinking. Shame-based thinking. What is shame-based thinking? There are three parts of that I want to explain today. First of all, as we are in, in shame-based thinking, we are vulnerable to perfectionism. Vulnerable. How many of you are perfectionists? Anybody in the house? You're a perfectionist? All right. Amen. Don't point at people, please. Uh, many of us, we try to silence our shame with a perfect performance and we find it difficult to admit, admit failure. I'm covering my shame with a performance. No one will ever know anything is wrong with me because my performance is flawless. I'm perfect. Number two, we're critical of ourselves internally, which drives us to become critical of others externally. I'll say it like this. Shamed people shame people. Shamed people shame people. We hate in others the very sin that we see in ourselves. We are critical of ourselves, so we reflect the shame outwards to everywhere else. I can't believe they would do that. Shame. And it all begins in this pride circle we talked about last week. Number three, we use self-deflating thoughts to shield ourselves from disappointment. We focused on the worst possible outcomes, sabotaging opportunities and relationships. Give me an example right here. Oh, this is going to be the worst. Some of y'all are laughing, but you don't even know what I'm talking about. I could be talking about a job situation. I could be talking about a relationship situation. I could be talking about a sports trade that just went down. Or I could be talking about the newest set of moisture in the Atlantic Ocean that somebody just posted on Facebook. It's going to be the biggest hurricane we've ever seen in our life. Right? Immediately, when I say this is going to be the worst, we've all thought these thoughts before, right? Something happens and we exaggerate the thing. Shame-based thinking. This is the big one. This is going to hurt. Or it's like, I'm going to be rejected if I'm honest, so I'm just going to sabotage the relationship. I'm going to fail because I'm, I always mess up because I'm clumsy and I can't do anything right, so surely I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to mess it up. Because of the tool of shame, shame might cause one parent to lash out with no apparent reason. Might cause another parent to get drunk and just disengage from every person at all. Shame drives the in-laws to criticize your parenting or you as an in-law to criticize their parenting. You become hypercritical of others because you're hypercritical of yourself. You say things to yourself like, God could never have loved me. He could never love me. He'll never use me. I'm not good enough. Church, let me just tell you the good news today is that you don't actually have to be ashamed of your past. Today in this house, you don't have to be ashamed of your past. Jesus paid the price for you to be forgiven all of that. And that's worth clapping your hands about if you're thankful for his grace today. But the bad news is, 
We still battle shame-based thinking in our identity. It starts describing who we are. Anytime you think you are something bad, you might want to check it out because sometimes there might be truth to it. And it might lead you to ultimate truth of healing. Let me show you. Well, I am so bad. Actually, you are. You're a sinner. I am inadequate. I'm not good enough. Actually, yeah, you're not designed to do it by yourself. You need other people around you. It's kind of the point, right? Oh, I'm just, I'm so rude. Why does nobody ever like me? Well, sometimes you are rude. Right? The problem is, as long as you are focused on you, you will always be vulnerable to shame. We will never be enough. Let me explain it this way. In the Old Testament, God's people were in terrible slavery in Egypt for 430 years. Generations were born a slave. All they knew was slavery, nothing else. They knew slavery, nothing but I am a slave. I am worthless day after day, week after week, month after month after year. They believed the lie, I am not valuable at all. God raises up Moses, and, and Moses, uh, the stutterer, he comes in and he's like, let, 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 let my, 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 my people go, right? Stands up and confidence, confidently said, let my people go. God miraculously delivered his people from slavery. Here's the greatest tragedy of that, is that although they were outwardly free, inwardly they were still slaves, they were out of slavery, but the slavery was not out of them. Some of you today are in that very situation. You are followers of Jesus. You have given your life to Christ. Christ came to set you free from sin, from guilt, from shame. You are released from slavery of that. But you will willingly put yourself back in bondage, in shackles, because you can be out of Egypt, but Egypt is still inside of you. Church, let me tell you today, you are forgiven and made whole, not because of what you did, but because of the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus. So stop believing the lies of the enemy that he says about your identity. The only way to heal from your shame is to move the focus from what I'm not to what Jesus is. Take the focus off of you and put it back on Jesus. Now, you, though you've been forgiven by Christ, many of you are living consumed with shame-based thinking. You are still believing you are something that God says that you are not. Why does this matter? Because the gospel changes everything. Why do we do, what do we do right here at the church? Why is this church in existence? Why do we do what we do? Why do we plant and build a church like this? Why do we work so hard to have excellence in every area that we can? So I can get to this right here, this moment, because you need this. If you are lost, you need this. If you are saved but struggling with shame, you need this. Hebrews 12 and 2. For the joy set before him, he, Jesus, endured the cross. For the, for the joy set before him, he, Jesus, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Guys, Jesus endured the cross. Can I be honest with you? He hated it. He despised it. He scorned the shame that came along being naked and beaten publicly. Every fiber of righteousness inside of him, every part of heaven in the flesh hated the shame that robs people of intimacy with God. From the beginning of time, God scorned shame in the Garden of Eden. He hated the shame of David's adultery. He hated the shame of Peter's denial, of Judas's betrayal. In the same way, Jesus scorns the shame that crushes your soul and kills your joy. He despises the shame that you feel from your lies, from your hidden habits, from your secret sexual sin that nobody else knows about. He loathes the financial shame. He he despises the shame of your deepest secrets, your darkest hurts. He scorns the shame of what you looked at, thought about. He endured the shame from what you said, what you did, what you didn't do. The shame of self-doubt, self-hatred, shame on who you were then, shame of who you are now. For me, church, it's the shame of my upbringing. Jesus scorns the shame of me trying so hard because I'll never be enough. He endured the shame of self-confidence issues. The Son of God. God robed himself in flesh and was stripped down on an instrument of torture. Those he came to serve mocked him, cursed him, spit at him. And Jesus looked at them and said, I love you. But he looked at the shame and said, I despise you. You are nothing to me. Jesus said, my father sent me to seek and save the lost. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinners and to give my life as a ransom. That's why today, shame has no power over your life. You know what shame feels like? Shame feels like putting on a backpack full of weights and deciding you're going to go hike Mount Everest, which is your life. Would any person ever survive that? No, never. But too many times what we do as Christians is we say, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, everything is great. I've been through freedom. I, you know, all of the things, I'm great. Everything is awesome. But we willingly put the backpack of shame back on. If you could truly recognize the life that you could have if you would just set down the shame. Prophetically, let me tell you today, shame, you have no power. Compared to the joy set before me, you are nothing. Shame, you can't distract me. You can't discourage me. You can't defeat me. Jesus, when he looked up to heaven, 
He says, into your hands I commit my spirit. The Lamb of God breathed his last breath. On day one, they buried him and they waited. Day two, they lost hope. Day three, they showed up one more time and the tomb was empty. The battle had been won. Because of this victory, we can be forgiven and our shame be removed. Because of the victory of Jesus, shame doesn't belong in the driver's seat. The only way for you to heal from shame is to move the focus from who you are to who Christ is. And what you have to do is you've got to fill in the blanks here. We're going to put it on the screen. I want you to take a picture of this. For some of you, or you can write it down. For some of you, I want you to, you're going to have to plug in your own information here. Whatever this looks like. I am not blank. Because of Christ, I am blank. Let me help you today. I am not horrible. Because of Christ, I'm forgiven. I am not sick. Because of Christ, I am healed. I am not broken. Because of Christ, I am whole. I am not unwanted. Because of Christ, I am loved. I am not addicted. Because of Christ, I am free. I am not enough, but Christ in me is more than enough. Would you stand with me today? Today, I want you to remember the Israelites. 400, make eye contact with me right now. Look at me, don't, don't check out. Don't check out. Don't worry about anything that's going on by me. I, I, need, I need your attention right here. Lock in. 430 years of slavery. The identity issues that came along with that. Some of y'all have struggled with things for five years, 10 years, 15 years, and you have identity issues with that. Imagine the Israelites. There were generations of identity issues. Generations. Identity issues across the board. They came out of slavery, but the shame of slavery wasn't out of them. So this is what was said to them by the Lord. Then the Lord said to Joshua in Joshua 5 and 9, he says, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. It was a foreshadowing of them rolling away the tomb that Jesus was in in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we see a prophecy. We see a foreshadowing of Jesus' stone, the stone of the tomb, literally rolled away. No more shame. No more bondage. No more slavery. No more picking up the baggage of who you thought you were because Jesus says you're something different. It doesn't matter what the world says about you. It doesn't matter what you've done because who you, what you do is not who you are. You are forgiven, you are loved, you are lifted, you are not wounded, you are made whole. Culture says, you did that, shame on you. Jesus says, you did that, I took the shame off of you. 
shame off of you. Today, church, he's rolling away your shame. He's pushing away your shame. You don't have to have a burden of heaviness. The shame has stopped you from stepping in to who God wants you to be today. He's rolling away your shame. You felt dead in your shame. And today, what I'm calling out of you is that you would let God roll away that shame and you would come alive again in the name of Jesus. You would come alive again in the name of Jesus. I don't know what that thing is for you. I don't know what that thing is. I can look and make eye contact and we can sit in my office, every one of us, and we have certain level of shame that we feel about something that we've done or currently do. But the thing I need you to know is number one, that Jesus paid the price for everything. He didn't pay partial tabs. He paid the whole thing. On top of that, He's strong enough to take your baggage off of you and say, hey, I don't have to take this on anymore. You don't have to live the life with the backpack of weights on anymore. Every eye closed, every head bowed across this room. I feel his spirit in this room. I feel bondage coming off. I feel slavery being removed in people's lives today. You once were a slave to sin, but no more in the name of Jesus. But today what I wanna do is I wanna call that shame out of you, but it's going to require you to put it down. It's going to require you to make some steps and put it down. Whatever that thing is you're facing that, that, that has caused you shame. Lord, today, right now, I speak over every person under the sound of my voice, whether they're in person or they're online watching today. They may have been struggling with shame from their yesterdays, things that they've done in their past that God, they know that you have forgiven them for, but they still feel the shame. They still feel the residue of their sin. Lord, I pray that you would not only, you've already taken on the punishment for us to be forgiven. But God, I pray that you would take on the weight of the shame today. Lord, we, we come before you and willingly lift the shame off of us. We lift it off of us and we give the weight to you. God, that we could live in freedom, that we could live in life abundantly as John 10 and 10 says. We could live in a, in a vibrant life inside of you. Today, I rebuke shame that has weighed people down in this house for way too long and held them back from being the husbands, held them back from being the wives, held them back from being the parents, the grandparents, the Christians, the pastors, the mentors, the, 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 the servant of your kingdom, God. It has held us back from our purpose ultimately. So today, Lord, I speak freedom in this house that Lord, you would roll away the shame of our slavery. You would roll away the shame of our past, of our yesterdays. In the name of Jesus, roll the, roll the shame away. Roll the shame.